Hi, this is Radhika Dosa and you're listening to Soul Tales with me, my animals and friends. Tune in for heartwarming stories of dogs, cats and other family as we talk about love, life and loss. Hi, I'm Karen. I'm wife wife to Mark. <laughs> Mother of two. Love animals, love to foster animals, living in Holland, not working, but taking care of my animals in the garden. My name is Mark. I work for a Dutch construction company. We've moved back to the Netherlands uh, just over three years ago. Before that, we've had a roaming international uh, international life. Uh, father to two sons and husband to Karen. That's it in short. Tell me about all your animal adventures. Our animal adventures. Our animal adventures actually started when we moved abroad. First, our first country, we took our cat <laughs> there. And then I started working at the animal shelter. And then we started fostering animals. Which puppies. country was this? That was Bahrain. Uh, we started fostering kittens, puppies, bottle feed them. Then we started assessing dogs see if uh, if they they could fit a, a family or what they needed where they needed help um and so that's that's where it all started that was the beginning <laughs> of a long journey animal journey and from bahrain you went to from bahrain we went to oman uh, so in bahrain we adopted a dog and a cat um because they Seeing all these dogs, there was one dog that was really that connected to me, so I just had to have that one. And so we moved to uh, Oman, and there was this poor dog that had been adopted a zillion times, and at the end she was found tied to the thing on a balcony. So they rescued her, and I was like, okay, okay, we'll take her. And... Um, that was Oman. We didn't stay there very long, and then we moved with the two dogs. No, we we had to, because we were moving to Australia. We had to move them for half year to a rabies-free country. So we took them back to Holland. We we put them at family and friends, and then moved to Australia without any dogs, because my in-laws decided to keep. To keep that cute little dog and then my uh, other dog wasn't allowed to go to Australia because there was something wrong in the blood you know with all these tests so we ended up <laughs> with no cats and no dogs and there there I started to do a grooming course dog grooming course and then I ended up with a, a poodle who was very old and needed a new home um, having spent about fifteen hundred dollars in fixing it and then we adopted a cat from a friend whose mother had died so it all started again i also did uh, animal rescue there which is really awesome. special because it's possums it's it's everything australia animals parakeets lorikeets anything what did you think about all this rescue work <laughs> i i think when growing up we i was used to having cats in the house we never had any well, we had other animals as well, actually, when, when I grew up. So we had a small, I wouldn't say a farm, but we had enough land to have animals there as well. So we had turkeys and rabbits and chicken and sheep. So I, I, I grew up 
with animals, just as a domestic, domesticated animals or a house animal, only a cat, no dogs. So I was first introduced to dogs properly in, in Bahrain when we ab adopted the first one. And then it was just, you know, it was me working and Karen doing all sorts of foster work. And in Oman, she worked at a at a vet assisting with small surgeries. And yeah, it was just a yeah, animal, a bit of an animal, animal journey. I was having my job and then Karen was doing all, you know, everything she liked with, with the pets. Did you all know this about each other when you met? That you were like animals so much no. and were so committed no. to them? I didn't realize that he was such an animal lover. No, I didn't. I didn't know. When we were living in the Netherlands, we we had cats as well. That when we when we when we were starting living together, we had a cat in in the Hague, which was in the city. And then when we moved to the to the countryside, we we had two cats, a mom and, a, and her baby as well. Uh, so cat was was cats were there. Uh, it, it's just a dog. And, oh yeah, and we had a dog actually as well. Yeah, yeah so I, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. I think we started too early, and it just grew, grew from, grew from there. Yeah, and you got sort of like attacked by the adopting virus. So every animal we took, we took him. He wanted to keep. <laughs> I was better in uh, saying no, no. This uh, we we need to let it go. Otherwise, you would end up with just too many cats and dogs. But you were really, you were really bad. Does who is the most committed? Of course, me because he has his job, and it's it's my. I mean, I have to take care of them. Um, and especially in Panama, where we had litters of five puppies, all rowdy little monsters. Uh, it was that's a lot to have with our own three dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot. So it was my my thing. And, and, and what about your kids? What did your kids think? They didn't know any better. That was how they grew up. Dogs always dogs, animals. Yeah, they never questioned it. It's just life. Tell us something special about one of the rescues you've had. They're all special. No, the I think the the story that is most appealing is to me is the story that I went in India, I went to this adopted home. One side of the, the the room was cats and the other side was puppies. And I said to myself, okay, I'm going to take the last dog, the one that doesn't get adopted. So there was Sula um, and I took her home. But she didn't get adopted because she was so so ugly or so big or so. It's just that the the foster parents of Sula didn't want to We're let her protective. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I think, to me, that was the most uh, special story. So you were in Bombay and you adopted how many dogs? So when we moved from the Middle East to Australia, we had to depart from the, from the animals that we had acquired up until then. So we, we went to Australia empty-handed and then... Very soon, I think, after we arrived, we adopted Comet, who was a big old poodle, and he was in really bad shape. So he really had a second, well, I wouldn't say a second life, but at least a, a very nice extension to his uh, already already long life. And we took him to, to India, but he was really old, and, and he was having difficulty, I think, with... Uh, 
acclimatizing and accustoming to the, the new situation. So when he was still alive, I think that's when we when we adopted the first the first one, Sula, and then very soon thereafter, uh, Sami. And we also had the foster dogs going in and out. Yeah. Yeah. We had some horrible dogs <laughs> as well to foster. And then how many dogs did you adopt in India? Two. And you took them all with you to Panama? Yeah. So then, so Comet passed away in India. So we were left with the two Indian girls. And, and those we took, or we planned to take with us to to Panama. So that required quite a bit of, of work. Cameron was always taking care of all the transport. So passports and vaccinations and all these things. So it was quite always, with every move that we made, it was always a lot of administration and paperwork and, and preparing. So she was took care of that. And we, I mean, India, it was a, it's not very common, I suppose, to export dogs from India. So. It was a bit of a, a special journey there to find the right people and to to get the dogs chipped and to get them vaccinated and to so I think we traveled all over all over Mumbai to you know to get the to get the vaccination shots and to get the tests done and all these things. So some uh, car sick dogs in the back and a driver who didn't like dogs. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Yeah. So tell me about your adventure when you landed in Panama Airport with Sammy. Uh, Sammy is quite the escape artist, and she was in a in a very secure IATA-approved bench. Um, they were ecstatic to see us, and uh, we saw that she had been crawling, crawling, crawling how do you say it? At the at the little crash. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but they didn't realize. Um, how much until we were outside waiting for our taxi to come and suddenly she she I don't know what she did she the door flew open and she escaped running towards the street thank god we could grab her otherwise she would have been lost gone driven over on the on the I don't know any could have, anything could have happened Yes, she escaped. You do know you guys are unique and that you take your animals across the world and you don't just put them up for adoption and say we're moving countries and we can't keep them anymore. No, we don't want to be one of those people. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of them. And yes, we don't want to be one of those. No. So then you moved back to the Netherlands from Panama, but yeah. you had one more animal with you. We had Bonnie. Bonnie uh, adopted us. We had a, a dog living on our doorstep briefly, and at a certain point, he got a, a girlfriend, and she lived there as well. I just gave them food and petted them, and that's it. And then I saw that she was um, she was in heat, so I was like, oh, no, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So I took her, took her to the vet, got her sterilized. She woke up inside the house, and then she thought, hmm, this is quite nice here, and then she little by little she got used to being inside and was very happy inside and um she made it her home she adopted us and then we had to move so we took her with us so before that we had we had fostered quite a few dogs already in 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 panama so i think i think panama we fostered mo the most no maybe not but we we, we we fostered a lot of dogs in in panama so um, I think there was a very active 
spading and castrating program in Panama to get you know to to reduce the number of dogs that were living on the street. So Karen uh, supported supported there, and we had a lot of young puppies, you know, just taking care of them for the initial few uh, few weeks or months. But we we adopted. So we fostered a lot of them, but we adopted Brownie. He was the first one we adopted in, in Panama. He was initially a, a, a foster, a foster as well, but he, Garen uh, connected with him really, really no, well. He, he got adopted? Yeah, he got adopted by, by us. No, he, he got adopted by family. I remember we, 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 foster, we were fostering a dog and I, I brought them to the place where uh, they could get adopted and Brownie was there as well. And I saw him being picked up by a family with one girl. Um, and a few weeks later, uh, I got a call saying, do you have a spot for another foster? Because I don't know if you remember Brownie, but he, he got fostered. But it seems that the, the grandmother w- had um, had complained that her granddaughter was abusing him, was not treating him well. So um, So they had to get him out of there. And then um, I said, no, that's fine. Like just another foster dog. But then Brownie came into the house and he, he sat on my lap in the car and he just sort of sighed and was he, he, he just settled on my chest. And that was it, that was a love. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't let him go. And what did you think? No, he was a, he was a, I, I always, as Karen said, I always had trouble uh, getting rid of the foster of the foster dogs. Debonding. Yeah, yeah. So I always had. So I was really fine with Brownie staying because I thought, okay, well that, that's good. So at least for keeping, uh, at least for keeping one. Uh, so then we had three in in Panama, which was enough. Uh, but then, as Karen said, we had Bonnie arriving on our doorstep, and yeah, she she's very much accustomed to to us. And then, okay, we had four. So then what happened to her? We took her to Holland and um, four is just too many here. It's, it's, it doesn't really work. Um, and we had friends and she really wanted a dog and he was like, oh, I don't want a dog. I'm going walking the dog and don't like dogs, blah, blah, blah. And of course, uh, they, she stayed there for a little while just to see how it went. And of course, uh, they didn't want to give it back. <laughs> Yeah, because she was a, she was a very lovable dog. She 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 had a she is a very strong character. She's very kind, uh, but is a real street dog. She really knows how to take care of herself. Very independent. Size. Uh, good, a good job. A very 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 lovable. So they fell in love with her, and she still till they till this day she she's very independent. But um, yeah, so she's. She, She's staying in uh, uh, Utrecht at the moment. Yeah, when when she sees us, she just goes crazy. Yeah. Yeah, sure. such a connection, and sometimes we stay at them their place for the weekend, or uh, because they're they're one of our best friends, and then we leave, and then Bonnie gets quite upset, and she doesn't know what to do, and then she wants to come with us, and she's she doesn't know what to do. So yeah. the love is still there, thank God. So, Karen, you spend a lot of time socializing these fosters. What do you do with them? The normal thing you should do with them. Walk them, potty train them, uh, interact, everything. Just the normal stuff. And how do your dogs react to them? 
it's not always that good. But the funny thing to see is that they each have their um, their preferences for certain dogs. When I would foster one dog, it would really get along with Brownie, or the other another dog would really get along with Sammy, or really get along with Sula. Which is, it's uh, they all are they all are such characters. It's it's strange to see how they connect to one dog and not to another dog. It, yeah, it's crazy. Huh? Yeah. So now you're here in Holland, and you have all your three dogs with you. Yes. And what else do you have at home? Um, what else we have? We have uh, a cat and we have uh, two uh, pot belly pigs. Okay, you tell me about them with their names. Okay, we've got Ko, Ko the cat. Um, just a regular, pretty short hair, nothing special. It's good for the mice and he's a very crazy cat, so we love him. And then we have two pot belly pigs we adopted. They, um, they needed, they came from different homes but they all needed to be rehomed but who, who needs to rehome pigs a lot of people just get pigs because they're so cuddly and like when they're babies they're like what is it 25 centimeters even smaller and they look so cuddly and easy and then they they bring them home and then they start growing and then their hormones get in their way and then um so people, so th th these pigs are are really small. And they're 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 being sold as as min mini pigs, um, and, and people just take them into their regular homes without you know homes with relatively small gardens or no even no gardens, um, and then these pigs they grow and grow and they they I don't know they they I think they their weight is between eighty to to hundred kilos so they they end up. Although they're not huge, they still end up being big animals, and they're animals. Um, so very often, you know, they get they get aggressive because they 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 cannot, you know, have their natural behavior. Uh, or they're alone. They, they need to be always. Or they're they alone. They can't. They, they they don't have a social uh, social life. So they become aggressive or 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 or, or bothersome, or at least that's what the owners feel like. So oftentimes. These pigs have to be relocated uh, after after a few years because it just simply doesn't work. They're still farm animals. They're not. They're not. You know, one hundred percent domesticated animals. And so, they are. They're only grown at six years of of age, so that's quite late. Yeah, yeah. So that's when because we had this. We 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 bought this house. Uh, well, 20 years ago, um, and it's got enough. It's got it's got uh, quite a bit of space around it. So, I always had the dream of living on a small farm, and that's the reason why we bought this place. And Karen wasn't convinced initially when we when when I suggested, okay, we should have a look and maybe buy it. But anyway, we ended up buying it. But then we um, then we moved around uh, very quickly after we after we bought it. So we never really got to the point where we were. Actually, using it as a as a small farm um, until we came back to Holland uh, just over three years ago, and that was the that was the opportunity for us to you know we brought the we brought the three dogs back with us, um, and that was the the opportunity for us to you know grow our our our, our small farm, and I think the the pigs were first or the or the chickens were first. I can't remember. Uh, we. 
well, <laughs> it's confusing. We had chickens. Yeah, we had we had chickens. Okay, so the first thing we, we had adopted was, chickens. Yeah, we adopted old. They were they were you know they were old old chickens. That was the first four four no of eggs. Them, four, four of them, no <laughs> eggs, and then and then came two pigs. One one of them uh, passed away in the meantime, and then we adopted another another pig, um, who was terribly overweight because she was she was fat. Uh, treats all the time because she was uh, aggressive to control, uh, to control her. Um, so that that's the that's the pigs. So Billy. So we have Billy and um, uh, and Katie. The two pigs, um, and then we have two two dogs. Well, I, I'm not sure what what, what it's, they're what. like Indianese, Indonesian walking dogs. If I translate it from. Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't really fly, but they they have a long a long neck and they they can't fly and they and they walk, but they walk very fast and they're really funny uh, really funny animals. Juliet uh, um, and, uh, and and Jeannie. So uh, and then we had more chicken. So at the at the moment is it's a, it's quite a quite a collection. It's a poultry farm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But are these animals bred normally for the table? And you rescued them? No, no. The, the chickens we now have now, um, they're supposed to lay eggs. Yes, but we don't see any eggs because everybody's roaming around, and so they don't want to lay their eggs in in their own little house. They do it everywhere and anywhere, <laughs> and I, I'm guessing the pigs eat eat about six eggs a day, and then maybe two duck but duck eggs. <laughs> they must have. High cholesterol. <laughs> so no eggs. No. And the pigs are not... What are the pigs for? I mean, when you adopted them and they were pets, why would anybody sell pigs to somebody? Just as a, just as a pet. Okay, so yeah. they're not bred for the table. No, no. no. These are not eating pigs. No. Well, I, I suppose you, you... Well, I suppose you could eat them, but that's not that's not the... I don't know the history of the breed, but it's a it's a... It's a a common breed that is sold as a as a as a pig that you can keep in your house, uh, although the reality I think is quite different. But that's how that's how they that's why they're being being uh, uh, being marketed. Yeah, yeah. How they how they're being marketed. Yeah. George Clooney had a pot-bellied pig. It was a yeah. very famous pig, and he mourned it when it died. He had it all its life. Oh, they, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think that's where it started. Where you know everybody said. He's adopted a pig, a pot belly pig in his apartment. So, yeah, but then he was George Clooney. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he probably had a very big apartment. So do the pigs come abused? Are they, uh, do they need a lot of work? As, your, as the caretaker, do you find that you need to work with them a lot and calm them down? Or is it just being in the open space with another companion that calms them down? Depends on what you want what you yourself want. If you want them to trust you and like you and being able to pet them, you have to, of course, you have to put some time in it, some effort. It's not. Now, but first of all, the before before there's any interaction with the humans, they f the first thing they do is to establish the order between the pigs. So because we had two pigs, the first thing they need to do is work out who's going to be the boss. Uh, so that's the first... That's the first process before anything else uh, happens, and then once they've established uh, the order, 
between the pigs, that's when you can you know you can you can work with them or or do things with them. Uh, so it's it, it they have to work it out between themselves first. If you if you have more than one, uh, and then of course they have their own character. So the one so. The, the Billy, who is the bigger the bigger one of the two, is is not the dominant the dominant pick in in uh, between between the, the two that we have, uh, but she's the much she's the more social one because that's how she how she grew up. So she's the one that you can belly rub and that will approach you and eat out of your hand and and do all these things. And come into the house and yeah, she comes into yeah whatever chance she gets, she walks into the house and. Uh, tries to break in and, and she 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 can find food. Line the in the doggy doggy basket. And how do your dogs uh, behave with all the pigs? Um, well, we 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 found and this is something that we had seen um, when we also traveled through South America. That the, the one of the things that that. Um, I noticed there is that there's no there's no hardly any fences so the place is too big to have fences so um, a lot of the animals on on farms are are, are living together uh, so dogs are living with the with the chickens and and everybody's living together and and when we when we first started here because our our dogs were real escape artists so we had to put up a fence around the, the around the property to make sure that they wouldn't they wouldn't escape from from the property. That was our first challenge when we had the dogs here because they were trying to get away all the time and, and chase the hares in the fields here and you know just that they'd be gone for for hours and hours once they once they managed to escape so we were very focused on on fencing the property itself and and then we had also a separate area where we kept the where we kept the pigs and the and the and the chickens and it was always this anxiety between them because you know one one side of the fence doesn't work with the other side of the fence um, so at some point we were redoing part of the garden and we opened all the fences and we just, you know, had everybody walking around and that was a, a real change in the dynamics between the animals because they were, you know, they, they were nose to nose and they were not, you know, they, they, it, it was, it was very, very calming or, uh, um, yeah, the, harmonious. Yeah, the, yeah, it was more harmonious. The animals were getting accustomed to each other much faster than than if there's a fence between. So, uh, although we do have a fence now to keep the pigs out of the uh, out of the house, uh, we do open it regularly f f to get the dogs in, and so they they can still smell the animals and you know know that it's their own their own uh, family rather than something uh, yeah, something. Uh, alien or, or un unfamiliar. I've heard of this, but it's the first time I saw uh, hens and ducks and pigs and dogs and a cat all together. And I think that's amazing, the kind of uh, love you have around you and the kind of commitment you've got for the, all these animals. It just happened. Everybody, everybody gets along with everybody. It's just one big happy family. <laughs> And, and of it's course, like you said because there are no there are no restrictions, no boundaries. Your dogs didn't chase the ducks. No, I don't think they did. I think the I said the only one that is sometimes uh, not playing his role is the cat. So when he when he gets you know uh, energetic or crazy, he, he because the ducks 
the ducks are swimming in our in our pond. That isn't a, an animal pond, but anyway, they like it, so they go in there. And that's when the cat sometimes starts chasing them around the around the perimeter of the pond. Um, so he's the one that's that's not always uh, following the uh, following the script. But they're not scared of him. No, they're not scared. So they they they're just annoyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he annoys them. He's he's not really chasing them to to hurt them. He's just, they just get annoyed. Um, and he and sometimes he chases one of the chickens. But the dogs are the dogs are very uh, serene. They don't chase any of the animals. If uh, there would be a different duck in in the garden, yeah, they would chase um, it. They would hear some something and look. And if they don't know the duck, they would go chase it. And then, it, but then they see it's their duck, so they're fine, not interested. Yeah. So they really know who belongs here and who who doesn't belong here. So it's all about territory. Yeah, it's about it. Well, it's about oh, they're very uh, protective of their of their of their turf. The 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 dogs are uh, very protective, and they. I think they recognize the other animals now as part of the part of the property. Uh, so they, I wouldn't say that they would protect them, but they they, they see them as as own uh, as uh, family in, inhabitants <laughs> of of this property as well. Whereas as Karen said, if if you introduce another animal, even if it's the same breed, they they will they will recognize it as being not part of the not part of the of the gang. So who's your favorite? Uh, uh, or the ducks. I think the ducks are really funny, but you don't really have a. Of course, you have a different relationship with a duck mm -hmm. uh, than you would have with a dog. So, um, I know it was difficult to say, um, but I think the dogs are still our favorites. You are my favorite. You know the cats <laughs> listening to you right now. <laughs> He doesn't care. He doesn't care. No, he's very independent as well, as, as, as cats are. Who's your favorite, Karen? Um, favorite, what is my favorite animal or who is my favorite? Who's your favorite at home? Who's your special? Oh, I think it must be Brownie. <laughs> I dare to say. So your dogs have a lovely life here. I've seen they go on walks, they get to swim. And you've made this home which is like this beautiful place for all these animals and what why are you so committed to animals you don't have to be living out here in the country trying to look after them no it's, it's animals are just they're not demanding they you just give and you receive and they just love you unconditionally i don't know it's more natural animals are 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 I don't know, easier than people, definitely. I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. No, and I love, I love, um, I just love animals. Has it ever been very hard for you with the animals? Has there been a time where you've been like, what am I doing? No, oh. never. Never. How are we doing this? Why are we doing this? We must be crazy. No, we're always thinking, okay, what else can we do? Can we foster? Can we adopt another one? Or what else? No, I think that there's always... There's always the when you move country. That's always when when there's a, you know, a, I wouldn't say a stressful situation, but it's you know there's a lot of work to be done, and you need to check everything and moving the animals from Panama because also Panama is not I think it's not rabies free, and then you have the issue of of getting the animals into the country, 
and and there's all these tests that you need to do and the quarantine on when you when they when they arrive. So I think that those at those times we sometimes think, okay, this is you know this is a, this is a bit quite a bit of work, uh, you know. To and, and as you say, a lot of people decide not to approach it in this way and and try to find a new home uh, within the country that they've been living in. And and we've always said, okay, well, if you adopt an animal, you adopt an animal. Uh, it's for life. Yeah, and 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 not and not for so as a, as an exp, as an expert, you can have you can look at it in two ways, and we've always looked at it in in the way that okay, if you adopt, you adopt, and then you cannot put the burden of the animal on 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 somebody else or expect your problem to be solved for you. I mean, you need to take responsibility, and that's that's how we've always uh, we've always done it. Well, there have been cases of a lot of expats who come to India and who are very uh, affected by the state of the stray animals there and they start feeding them and looking after them. They do what they can with the best intentions, but then they leave. Yeah. And they don't always take the animals with them. They try to house them. They try to do something. It doesn't always work. What do you think? What would you advise? No, I think well, Aaron, Aaron, uh, Karen has been very uh, also active in, in, in Panama in the... In the uh, as I say, in the spading and castration program, mm -hmm. I think you, I mean, what you, I think to, to, to minimize the amount of stray dogs, I mean, you need to, you need to do something about their reproduction. And I think uh, that's what Karen's been doing in, in Panama in particular. Um, yeah, and again, I mean, if you if for us, it's always when we when we welcome the animals in our home, they're part of the family. So we we just don't relocate them. I mean, the only the only time when we really had to do it was when we were moving to Australia because we weren't we weren't allowed to bring the dogs. That was just and and fortunately, my parents took one of our dogs and and our best friends took one of our dogs. So. Uh, that's that's how we solved the problem at the time, but that, and that's because just it was it it, it was impossible to uh, to move them. But do you advise expats to do what they can or not get involved at all? What would you suggest to somebody who had a one or two year contract? Oh, I would say do what you can. Try to adopt, but never and it's for life. Don't leave them behind. And if if you can't adopt, then foster. So at least you get your fair share of dog or cat love and then um so there's fostering they could fundraise definitely network and set up yes. systems i know a lot of expats are very heartbroken when they have to leave their animals behind but sometimes they just do what they can while they're there but then it it tends badly for everybody yeah, so don't adopt when you know they don't can... adopt maybe they just feed the dogs yeah. on the street or you know, they try to do rehoming and things like that. That's perfect, of course. But then afterwards, then they're frantically searching for homes for the dogs, saying, I'm going, I can't put this dog back on the street. We've been fostering her. She hasn't found a home. Yeah, but if you foster, you do it. If you're smart, you're doing it via an organization. Oh, well, but I think uh, I think you mean I think you mean when you just feed them on the streets and 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 so they become dependent on yeah. on you. Uh, <laughs> so it's not like a form of fostering, but you're just making them dependent on 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 you. Oh, did, yeah. Difficult. That's a difficult one. 
Well, it's become a bit better now because there are so many micro groups handling little areas. Yeah. Well, I think so I think you have you to network and you let them know that you're a feeder in this area and and you have the law that that protects allows you to feed. Yeah. 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 Well, still, I think everybody needs to, all the experts need to do what they can to help. It's it's uh, animal and human wise. You'd be surprised how many people just say we're moving and we need to take. We can't take our dog with us. We can't take our cat with us. Yeah, that's not taking responsibility. Yeah, that's. I, oh, yeah, I, I can I, understand I, it, but my love for animals is just, I guess, bigger than their love for animals. I don't know. There was an adoption recently of an eight-year-old dog, and I felt so bad. How can you give up a dog who's been with you for eight years? Yes, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. But if you, I, I think if you really if you really want and you can always I mean it's a lot of work but you you I think the main issue always is the rabies if you can and if you take the proper vaccines and do the proper testing uh, you're, you're, you're able to move your dog I think all over the world I mean with the exception of Australia because they're very very strict um, um, I think that's the only, and of course, dogs get allowed into a, into Australia, which is not not any dog in particular from from a rabies infected infected country. Uh, but I think if you make the effort, then then you're able to move your 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 dog with you. It's just that people don't want to go through the hassle, uh, probably, and they say, okay, well, it's only street dog. You know, I fed it for some years, but okay, now it says to you know, it has to go, or I have to let it go, or so you're not really committed to it. Um, and again, I mean, people might have their reasons why they do it in this particular way. We decided to not do it like this and 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 properly adopt and bring the dogs, you know, wherever we wherever we went. So, do you all discuss these things a lot between yourselves, or it's just understood that you're yeah. doing it together? Yes, no, it's we don't discuss it. It's understood. It, it comes natural, and we always agree. So that's. Have you ever not agreed? No. Maybe on maybe on what dog to adopt, because I wanted to whenever we foster something, I said okay, well, let's keep it, and and Karen's more strict, uh, so that's good. Because you cannot Otherwise rescue, you cannot, <laughs> yeah. you cannot, you cannot rescue uh, rescue every uh, every dog. So. No. Uh, so what are your next plans now? Next plans we, um, how some. All the old donkeys. <laughs> yes, ne that would be if we take a next step, then it would be um, donkeys. Donkeys. There's so many old donkeys that need. Why are there donkeys in the in in the Netherlands? Because people want to have animals. But what do they do with the donkeys? Farm animals. Yeah, just keep them. Just keep them. And then give them up. Not make turn them into sausages. sausages. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, people just love to have when, especially when you have some land and uh, and grass. Well, for some reason, animals end up for adoption when they get older. I don't know why that is. I mean, it's people a move or you don't know. Yeah. Donkeys get do get old. How long do they live? I don't know, but I it's a more than, like a horse. Yeah, more than thirty years, I think. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. So that's quite a commitment. Yeah, it's a long commitment. Yeah. 
Yeah, so there are plenty of old donkeys. And again, we have the space, I think. So what we're, what we're planning or what will happen here is that we fill it with as many animals as we can probably. And that's uh, until we run, run out of space. Yeah. I suspect that that's what's going to happen. So do you fundraise or you manage it all by yourselves or do you have people who want to help you? No, we don't. You don't? If I, we can't do it ourselves, then we don't want it. Okay. We don't want to be dependent. That That's a good policy because um, do you get any like help from the government for farm animals you've adopted or is there no. anything like that? No. And so are you like very hands-on health-wise with them? You have to learn a lot yourself? Or do you always um, call the vet? No, I, of course I, I read and I look up everything and um, beforehand I, I do my, do my, um, uh, how do you say it? Homework. Do, do my homework. Uh, of course, I'm not going to take an animal in which I don't know anything about. No, right. that doesn't make any sense. But it all require different, yes. uh, different. They're all different. So with the pigs, you need to look at their claws, and they need to be trimmed. And so you need to have a. There's only in Holland. There's only one person that does that work. So you need to make appointments and make sure that they get that they their nails get or their claws get the hooves, yeah. Their hooves get uh, get cut and and are at the appropriate length. So they're different animals, and not every vet knows his way around all these different animals. So I think you need to also learn what your vet knows and what he doesn't know. And, uh, so do you think you focus on older animals? Yes. Those whom nobody wants. And yes, yeah. definitely. Definitely. In the beginning, we were thinking about uh, getting um, alpacas. And then we thought, no, then we have to pay for an alpaca. Well, there are plenty of old animals who are looking for a home. We're not going to do that. So only an yeah, alpaca. So the the this the story is that we had seen alpacas when we were traveling through South America and it, and we always said okay that's a, you know when we get back to Holland maybe we need to get some alpacas uh, and then at some point we went to a uh, I wouldn't call it a shop I'm not sure actually what you what you would call it but we were we were going out to buy uh, to buy uh, chickens um, and and. At that place, we also saw alpacas, but we realized that these animals were actually um, uh, bred to be to be sold, and, and pretty at, expensive as well. Yeah, but okay. Apart from the expense, but they were they were bred uh, mm -hmm. in in Holland to be sold, and then we felt okay, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna buy any animals that have been bred for sale because. Uh, there's just too many animals already, so you don't need to buy an animal. If you want an animal, you don't need to buy it uh, you know, of, of, of somebody that has been growing these animals. I mean, you can, you can, get, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can get animals that are you know, trying to find a new home. So I think at that point we decided, okay, we're not going to be buying any more animals you know, that have been bred, but we're just going to be taking in animals that, Maybe that are... Maybe chickens. Well, yeah, okay, but we're just going to be taking in animals that nobody, nobody wants because they're too old. So, we'll, yeah. the old and needy. Yeah. The chicken because the pigs need their breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they get upset if they don't eat their six eggs a day. <laughs> so the chickens actually lay an egg every day. Um, they almost every day. Wow. And and so do the ducks. 
Oh, but I don't know where. But with ducks are both male or female? They're female. They're not fertilized. They're not fertilized. It's not like, what is happening here? <laughs> oh, so they lay the eggs, but they're just... Okay. You'd have to go around every day searching for them. Yeah, but they hide them. Or the pigs eat them. Just follow the pigs. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to <laughs> go here to the nettle, the stingy nettles, <laughs> looking for the eggs now. Then I'll just buy them from the farmer next door. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be nice to have my own eggs for my own chickens. As I know we have to train them to to lay their eggs in their chicken house. House. You just have to ask them. <laughs> Nicely. Yeah. <laughs> Please give me some eggs. Please. <laughs> yes, I'll do that. And give them a spot where they can leave them for you, maybe. No, they have a beautiful spot. They have and a villa. They don't like that spot. No, they don't. Mm. They don't like their chicken villa. Hmm. So it's great that you all are so committed to the animals and I hope a lot more people learn from you because the number of abandoned animals is crazy and a lot of expats are responsible for abandoning animals. Yes. What were their reasons? I'm not questioning their reasons, but it's hard for everybody when they get animals get abandoned. And uh, strangely, very few people are willing to take older dogs. Even if they're over one year old, people yes. don't want them. They go for the cute-looking puppies, puppies and they get and, and they grow tired of them tea, really yeah. quickly because most of them have small children. They wreck the house. The, it's a handful. And then puppy. it's not cute. And then it's not cute. Yeah. They grow tired and then they have to leave the house. Yeah, even I've always adopted the one nobody wants. And they give you so much love. Yeah. They just... But they also have, um, or mistreated, or not socialized well. They all have this little backpack with their own problems. It's not like they're um, a bred dog being bred for being social, nice, easy. Uh, they all, all have their own problems. Yeah, I've seen that. But I've always found that older animals are just so grateful to have a home that half the commitment to you from them comes right there because you rescued them Yeah, and given them a home. And they're just dedicated to you. And the kind of uh, devotion I've seen older animals give you, I've never seen it with the puppies you look after. And no. It's just not there. It's very different. It's a very different connection. Yeah, the older they get, the more real love you receive. Yeah, they they are devoted. I had a dog who would follow me to every room. Just get up and follow me. And, and he was like my shadow, you know? A bit like Brownie. <laughs> yeah. So what else can I ask you all? Is there anything you'd like to say about your love for animals? Adopt, don't shop. <laughs> what is it? Shop, don't adopt. No, adopt, don't shop. That's the best thing, especially for expats. And make sure that you want to keep the dog even when you're moving. 
besides that, I'm just living my life happily with my animals. Yeah, you're living the dream. You're lucky. What about you, Mark? What would you tell people? No, yeah, I think it's very personal, but uh, again, we, 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 we don't fancy uh, the younger ones, or we don't. It's not that we don't fancy them, but I think it is more. There's more need for people to take care of the older animals. So I think that's the role that we that we're picking up, and and we do it happily. I mean, uh, um, yeah, these pe these these animals need a need a need a place as well, and uh, I think that's what we that's what we try to provide. I, I think uh, older animals are easier to take care of other than the little backpack of luggage that they carry around. Uh, they're uh, quieter, they're less jumpy, they're easier to look after. Definitely. Definitely. They're easier to keep in an apartment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're just a different, different experience. Yes, definitely. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me here. And don't forget to tune in next week for another dose of Soul Tales with me, Radhika Dosa.